Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotter. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio hotter. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. episode of Radio Hot Lap on this fine Wednesday afternoon. We've moved out of our South Australian luxurious apartment, uh, a condominium, whatever you call it, depending on the part of the world you're living in, and uh, moved north to sunny Sydney, even sunny in Sydney. Great show lined up today. Got a couple of very special guests. There's a couple of big surprises really today. Not only are we doing our first interstate show, but we have our first girl on the show. Rick Shaw. Oh, sorry. No. Um, no, Linda Long. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. Well, Absolutely it's great so. to have you here at last. And uh, uh, Linda, just giving everyone just a, a little bit of a quick overview, uh, seven times Target Tasmania, yep. uh, probably, arguably, and we like a bit of an argument, the uh, the most successful female co-driver in the history of uh, Target. But we'll go I over that a little that, bit anyway, later. Yeah, moving on. Moving right along. Moving on. Equally as important, but not as good looking, is <laughs> Rick Shaw. Welcome, mate. John. <laughs> Rick, you've, uh, you've made this, there's not a lot you haven't done. Uh, the, uh, just off the off my hand, I can count um, ten fingers, and that means ten Bathurst, six in the V8s, uh, uh, supercars, two Bathurst 24 hours, where you came a very sensational fifth um, uh, in, in, in this last year, in 2003, and uh, a couple of years in Super Tourist, amongst other things. I'm glad you could make it along for our next line, next in line Christmas show, we had a yeah, Christmas show last yeah. week, here at sunny Galston Gorge. And he's had to go a long way to get here, it's, you know, a bit of a day pass for most people coming out this far. Yeah, about two minutes. Yeah, actually for but you it is, you're another one out here, aren't yeah, you? There's yeah. quite a motorsport community out here. Well, don't be shy, boys and girls, uh, have, a, have a beer with us. Now, yes. Rick, what sort of beer are you having this afternoon, mate? Mate, you've put a, uh, a Corona Extra into my hand. <laughs> I know that. Forced it. But they don't know. Forced it into his hand, he did. And uh, did you forced it into my hand? <laughs> reluctantly took it, and it's probably what my twenty third. No, no, really, it's only my second. With lime, in. lime. With lime, lime in it, lime added, lime. <clears throat> and it's um, it just goes really well with the, the beautiful sunny yeah. afternoon here in Sydney. And the pumpkin <laughs> and lumps. The, yeah, well, John's well, pointing to food here. And <laughs> we've got these munchies in front of us, which have been. Uh, laid out beautifully by, by Linda here. She's spent a lot of time in the kitchen preparing these, and, and they are scrumptious. Yeah, proving scrumptious. I am domestic. It's a true thing. Okay. It is indeed. Get your feet, get your feet <gasps> off the table. You'll knock the microphone. This is where we see the suddenly the episode trained. 10. Sorry. Episode, <laughs> definitely not when it comes to loose radio interviews. No, it is, and I'm sorry. Episode okay. 10, everybody, uh, 21st of December. And uh, really, I thought we'd. You guys are real. Uh, between you, you've got a lot of tarmac experience, and Rick, you, you've got a, a bit of a bug with tarmac, having uh, gone to Target Tasmania for the first time this year in your RX-7, and it's uh, definitely a very good feat to come top 10 in a two-wheel drive car. Yeah, we're pretty happy with that, very surprised actually. But if you're talking tarmac, John, people normally associate tarmac with, <coughs> with rally, and you just said a lot of tarmac experience, and people think, oh, I would have associated rally tarmac with circuit racing. Well, us circus race, racers you don't see as tarmac as being circuit racing 
tarmac, we see tarmac as being rally and only rally. So if you say tarmac, you're talking about rally and nothing else. Well, of which I've had virtually no experience at all, other than this year at um, Target for the first time. That's it. Well, Linda, you, you've got a lot of experience down there. Between you, you've certainly got a lot more experience than I have, and mm -hmm. uh, apparently I'm to get my first experience you are. from the uh, the side without the round thing you are. Uh, with uh, Barry Morecambe in, in an Evo 9 this year. Um, be wonderful, with, as a, with you, With you, Rick. I believe you're organising accommodation and, and, and meals, but anyway. <laughs> Probably organising a, a lot more than that, actually. You're rah, rah finding the Finding the cafes. <laughs> Whatever. Are we going to have Linda down there with us, are we? Yeah, because I'm not competing this year. I wonder. So, far. so we're yeah, going to have, so far. We're gonna yeah, have okay. an expert advisor <laughs> and a good-looking one at that. Oh, 200 oh, a day. Thank you. Oh, 200 a day. <laughs> My food's doing well here. Oh, that's cheaper than me, John. <laughs> All right, let's let, not discuss. Let, the let's money. um, let, let let's 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 go back a little bit in time, Linda. Um, oh, you know, dear. can we we tell 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 everyone about your experience and how you've actually come to do seven targets with uh, the last year splitting this uh, year, but the year before you oh. split Jim Richards and Peter Brock for fifth outright. Well, it ended up being fourth actually. Well, there you go. I got it wrong. Cool. I got it wrong. I've got a problem if I say that. But anyway, um. I don't know. I mean, just I started when would I first start? Okay, how it really happened was I had actually given up motorsport when I had my children, and I used to sneak off and read all the rally magazines and the newsagent, but I wouldn't bring them home. Anyway, so I decided I've read about this Target Tasmania thing going on in '94, and I thought, mm, how do I do this? So I thought, we'll go on a family holiday. Went down there on a family holiday at Christmas. Um, took the husband then at the time and had a great time, and I took him down all the Targa roads. And as we were doing it in this little rental car, I said, aren't these mad roads? And he's gone, yeah, they're not bad. And I said, you can race on these. And he didn't believe me. Anyway, told him about Targa, and so there it is. Twelve months later, he and I went off and did our first Targa in a 200SX. Um, he had no experience whatsoever with the pace notes or anyone sitting next to him. He had you know, quite a bit of circuit racing experience. Anyway, we did it. Off we go. Um, Ended up, I think, what, 14th the first year, which was a pretty good effort from both of us. And then that was it. I just got the bug back and then spent the next eight months begging and pleading could I go back to rallying. And then that was it. The next year, in 97, I was in full Australian Rally Championship, but still doing targets because well, they're such a fan. you would have had a pretty busy schedule there because you actually came out on top winning the Formula 2 title for, for the Australian Rally Championship alongside Brett Middleton, I understand. Yeah, the first year I go back. It's really awesome, actually. I was amazed. Our old mate, Brett Middleton from MRT. <laughs> Dear old Brett. Hello, mate. How Hi, Brett. Haven't spoken to you in ages. Haven't been I on, hope we haven't been on that water cruise, Rick, for a while. Actually, last time I saw <laughs> Brett, I think we were threatening to throw him over the side of the boat, weren't we? Mm. He must have had a few drinks and lightened up. I, do I think we all that, had a few drinks. It was all in good spirits, though. It was indeed. There with Colin Osborne, the Cam's president, cooking along there. And and speaking of spirits, Colin doesn't mind a spirit here or there, does he? <laughs> Look, I want my licence renewed. Right, actually, I'm a bit hungry. <laughs> Speaking of having your licence renewed, Rick, uh, you've just been up the road to, to Dr. Dr. Chan. Yeah, about uh, 45 minutes ago. And, and he, he said to do your medical for CAMS, and now being a little bit older than you've previously been, uh, I believe you need to do a stress test these days. No, absolutely not, John. Oh, OK. No, Wrong again. Wrong again, John. There's this absolutely no stress here, no stress required, no stress test required. 
run and a couple of events overseas. You've done two or three Nürburgring 24 hours now? Two Nürburgs with uh, finishing second in class two years in a row. Yes. Which we're pretty happy with. Yeah. we just got to get that elusive first in class. Tell so us about the machinery. Try to do that in 2006. Tell, about, tell us about the machinery that, uh, that you um, have driven over there and some of the adventures you come across in the middle of the night in the southern part of the circuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd be here for, for too many hours to go through all of it, but uh, first year we went to Nürburg, we were um, absolutely wet behind the ears, and uh, we drove a, a little Honda Civic, which was in Group A trim. It was quite a quick little car, surprisingly quick for what it was. And uh, the next year we went back with a, an M3 BMW, which was a much better car, better to drive more rewarding and uh, and that's basically what we've driven over there we plan to go back in 2007 with our GTP Mazda which we're organising at this point of time uh, and we'll be taking that quite seriously with the intent to win the class that the car falls into outright um, and uh, do our very best with that the 2006 we'll go back with uh, Malrose running the Mirage Cup cars Yep. Just for a, another sort of look at the circuit and a bit of a review because it's been uh, two years now since I've run there. At uh, Germany and the track there's a fantastic place. I recommend anybody go there who who's in motorsport, be yeah. it rally, tarmac or, or anything. It's just one of those fabulous places that opens your eyes up and you go, wow, I've got to well, that's a pretty ambitious move, like taking a car built locally and, and, and over there, especially an RX-7, but I would have to say that, having known you for, for a fair few years, that arguably you'd be producing at least the very best product in this, this, this part of the world, if not anywhere in the world, um, and uh, you know, it just shows that your ability is not limited to, to circuit racing, but the, the ability to do Targa, and you know, an event like that, you you've got to be there at the end and it's the same with a 24-hour race like Nürburgring there's a lot of things that go bump in the night don't they? Yeah well survival of the fittest as Linda would know and you first you've got to finish mm. you know and that's what it's all about and a lot of people lose sight of that and they go in there and they sort of you know rip shit tear and bust yeah, and come unstuck method, isn't it? and I've seen a lot better drivers than myself come unstuck at Nürburgring and certainly at Targa so we just adopt a, an attitude of walk before we run and sometimes it's pretty hard to control yourself you know especially in the heat of the moment you get the white knuckle fever and, and you're in the groove but you've just got to pull back a little bit and go a little bit more easy and look around you as to what's going on and, and just survive the day and I think if you can do that then at the, the end of the week or at the end of the race you're sort of kind of co going to come out with a result yeah yeah. Totally. I mean, it's learning how to, as Rick would know, it's learning how to sort of level your adrenaline mm. instead of sort of like losing it all in the first few hours, which a lot of drivers do because they're <coughs> so pumped up. Just you not know, overdrive. You saw that, didn't you? Mm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you could but see it. You could pick them. And, you know, I think we were at one stage, were we, going, that guy's going to flag. And it was just, yeah, it's fabulous to be excited. But when it's an endurance race, which is what Targa is with its rallying, and especially Nürburgring, it's, you've got to bring yourself and calm the calmer ones 
still enjoy it more and they're there at the end and they, they're more thinking I think you know like thinking everything about the car and the atmosphere and it's so many changes isn't it it is like, and like day to night Nurburg's a big adventure for us we travel halfway around the world we spend a hell of a lot of money and time a lot of effort goes into it the planning and you don't want to throw it all away on the first corner or the first moment so it's a huge ex adventure you want to make the most of it yeah, and picking guys with your you ability to, is the smart move because you're going to be there with a great result at the end as we've shown in the last two years. Well, whatever the result is, you want to be able to talk about it for years to come, you know, with friends and and relatives and, and, and your kids and what have you and, and share those experiences, you know, and uh, pull the old photo albums out and say, well, this is when we did this and this is when we did that and this is what, you know, Nurburg rings all alike or, or when you go to Targa, this is what Targa's all alike, you know. And you want to be able to make the most of those experiences in the years to come. It's funny how history repeats itself in that uh, you've chosen an interesting co-driver to go to Nürburgring <coughs> to run the RX-7. Uh, good old Phil Alexander, who <laughs> 20 <laughs> plus, lucky Phil, no, no. 22 years Phil. ago, 23 oh. years ago, <coughs> there we were at Bathurst. I was mm. there at Bathurst with him uh, running the Takiko Mazda RX-7. It was still an yeah. RX-7. Yes, the Group C days. The days of the big bangers. They were they were great days and, and I was hanging around and you, you were definitely a boy in shorts at the time. I was a wheel man. <laughs> I, was, I was in the pits working, changing wheels. You had long black hair back then too. I distinctly remember that. Yes, I did. Yes. Well, I remember that the first year I went there and worked on cars, I went, I don't like all this stuff. This is all too hard. So I decided to become the chef the following year. <laughs> and after that, everyone treated me nicely, except Ivan Stibbard, who threw me out of the trap because I was getting a bit hostile with the RX-7 Renica around the dirt roads of the pits. Not that they've upgraded the pits. <laughs> well, we used to pull the Renica apart up at That's right. back in yeah. those days to get spare parts, you know. Now you hear back that, supercars, this is called cost control. <laughs> yeah. Back in the early Very 80s, common. you know, you, the first thing you'd do is you'd go and rent a, a Mazda RX-7, which at the time was the, the current car, and, and we'd put it up on, on, on blocks and pull the wheels off and pull the suspension and bits out of it and scavenge whatever spare parts we thought we might need for the for the race. And there goes all the company, Avis and Hertz and everybody listening. Yeah, well. I, mean, back, I just did what I was told back then because I was a young whippersnapper, you know, and I was just there to learn and enjoy myself, which is what I did, but not knowing that I'd go back and, and race. Like Forgot about the beers. Linda, what sort of beer are you having? Uh, Linda is having a Stella Atois. And well, there's a good reason behind that, isn't there? Tell yeah. us why. Well, because... Very happily, I have my cousins from Italy here that I haven't seen for, we won't say, but a very long time. Gianluca was Jean here Luca for dinner last Sabrina, week. who my dear cousins got married uh, two weeks ago on Thursday, and they're out here on their honeymoon for two weeks, and then they're off to Singapore with the rest of the family by me for two weeks. I'm staying home. Um, yeah, so that's why I'm having the Stella, because I've been having major difficulties this week with my languages. You have. I'm speaking Italian and English, and I'm going everywhere answering in both languages and asking questions, and I'm confused. You might have had troubles with your languages, but you certainly didn't have any troubles wrestling that teppanyaki barbecue around last night. Uh, what a wonderful meal that you put on with prawns and scallops and <laughs> chicken and organic this and that. And Rick, tonight, 
There's none of that for you. It's <laughs> Sorry, just Rick. pumpkin scones. No, you only got my it's very just pumpkin scones. Flowy Elky, yes. Pumpkin scones. Don't mind. It is roast pumpkin, pumpkin frittata, <laughs> and I have also made some little Mediterranean tarts with some eggplant and zucchini. I'm really not sure, John, what I'm eating here, but, but it's because it's I'm quite in nice. my Italian mode. I'm very proud and happy about it. I've been having a hoot running around Sydney playing tourist guide, and this is an interesting thing. Here I am playing tourist guide, walking from Bondi. Bronte is a beautiful walk around the headlands, which you used to be able to do until a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, so I've come along there with my cousins. We're having a fabulous time. Come up from the beach of Tamarama and I look up and there is Rick Bates. Rick Bates. And I haven't run in or seen Rick for oh at least two years, which was quite comical, and here we are. And then there's How the, the Rick and not Neil. I never because you, he's you drifting. I, a lot of people ask, I don't know why. <laughs> I always I've never had an issue, but I think maybe just working with Rick and um and with Neil, um, I don't know, I know, but I mean, I could kind of give you all a bit of a hint as to how Weren't to... you saying that Rick was the better looking one, didn't you say that <laughs> the other day? We don't want to put you on the spot. No, but... no, oh gosh, you're a horror, John, that's not what I said. I was actually saying to Rick here, Rick Shaw here, this oh, is all getting very confusing with too many Ricks, um, should make this a Rick Neil actually show. has um, softer skin and a babier face. So if you actually have a very good look, Neil will have a babier face, whereas Rick has got them all. And I wouldn't say harder in a negative way, just, you know, the tough country guy sort of. And Yeah, well, I mean, hang on, Rick's place, a stuntman. So, you know, give him a break. But, well, yeah, I don't have an issue with finding out who's who. And, um, yeah, there you go. So, yes, I run into Rick Bates in the middle of nowhere. So that was kind of interesting. And he was shooting in the band. doing an ad and he gets paid for it and good on your rick and yes i saw photos of the new baby which is awesome 20 months old now so very cute so there you go what's this here linda this one is a mild cacciatore salami oh that's um, all right this goes very nice with my cooper's pale ale yeah, it goes better with the stella but anyway and then we have some baba ganoush i think it's pronounced i'm not very good at this tarama salata um just some spicy eggplant and then as i said before the two little that I cooked up in the oven. Well, it won't go well with my beer because it's empty. Well, don't you worry because I'm going to get you a couple of beers while I give you something to think about. <gasps> now, I know that you'll John, be able you're to leaving us. Oh, only momentarily. <laughs> only momentarily, viewers. I'll be back shortly. So, what are we meant to be discussing here? Well, Rick, you, <laughs> you can't up. normally get rid of John. <laughs> How about I do? I, I be the female and I go and get the beers. No, no, no. Once yeah, we got the beers, we've spoken about John's anyway. nicknames on this show. Uh, you can uh, get to that talking, later. We, which one are we talking about? Nose well, cone or you snoz? Will. Snoz. Snoz. I think it's a nose cone. Olick. I'll stop. They're just, they're really going to give, like, Stop. Okay, listen, could be viewers, it's getting worse. do you think we should have them on the show? Probably. <laughs> but, um, and I don't want to digress and you can come back and pay out on me later. I will. Um, thank you. That, but I, uh, you mentioned about like long distance races, how to approach it and, you know, not go and boil the, uh, boil the oil too early. I'm just going to go off and get those beers and get you to try and explain why all the drivers at Bathurst threw their brains out the window in the first five minutes. Ah, oh, well, that's going to be Rick's special today Rick? because, unfortunately, for the first time in a very long time, I missed all of Bathurst as I was on a plane overseas. So, Rick, yeah, what? what? I don't even know what happened, actually. How I, bad is I, that? I think, it's, I think it's the high pressures. Seriously, now, the high pressure that's placed on 
all of the drivers. We're talking mental pressure, aren't we? Yeah. Not tyre pressure. No, mental <laughs> pressure that's placed on all of the drivers mm. to perform and do well and to fulfil their performance contracts that they may or may not have. And, I think uh, you're right on that because there is a lot of pressure for them not just it's to be a in category the car driving now, anymore, is there? Well, that's it. It's that's a category a now product. that we all know is is so competitive. It's so ultra competitive with so much money being invested that the, the need to do well or, or to be seen to be doing well is just more than it's ever been before. Yeah, it does. I think and it takes too much of the strain. Bathurst is not what it used to be. It's not a, you know, go out there and do an endurance race. It's it's a it's a long sprint race. And from the minute the flag drops, they are flat out, ten-tenths, out of control, you know, into it at 100 miles an hour, and and the best man wins. And I guess the best man with the best strat- strategy wins. Mm. But they're just the, the pressure is just unbelievable that's on them. The pressure to do well. But do you think it's just just the drivers only with the pressure, or do you think it's the rest of the team other than let's go upper management? Corona, do you think the rest Lyme. of the team are under Thanks, as much John. pressure? Because really, they're the ones behind. As you know, well, everyone in motorsport knows it's a team effort. It's it not, is. Yes, there, there is the talents of the drivers, but yeah, it is you're a right, team Linda. behind the scenes. Absolutely right. And and all so the guys in the pits. All the guys in the pits now that change the tyres and do all the stuff they do are under more pressure than they've ever been mm. before. You know, the onus is on them more so now than ever to do well and to do their job better than it's ever been done before. You know, because in the days gone by, it used to we used to look at the drivers only, and you never used to get an in a look into the to the the guys in the pits. Mm. But now, we, I guess through technology with uh, television and everything. We now get a larger insight, a better insight as to what the guys in the pits are doing, and what pressure is on them, and what you know responsibility they all have yeah, as I a mean, team, you as you see say. It, so you can. Oh yeah, it's as clear as day. But I think I think today, you know, maybe I'm trying to make excuses for what happened at Bathurst, John. You know, I, I've had maybe, this... maybe some of the guys just weren't thinking as well as they should have. They might have been out partying a little bit hard the night before. Yeah. Here's here's my theory, and I've mentioned it on another show, but I'd be interested to hear you, whether you would go along with it. I just think that the drives are over-mediated, and they don't get enough personal sanctity, mental time, to be able to sit quietly in the car and ready themselves for an event like that. That is a very good point. Mm. What do you think about that? I don't know if I agree with that. No, I. Do you know what? Well, I you're don't a know racer. I, Tell I me, do you I need that? Do you need that, that quiet time? I think everybody needs quiet time with whatever they're doing, and and from a race driver's point of view, yes, you need your quiet time, but these guys, they don't get paid to have quiet time, and no. I don't and I don't think this year was any different to any other year leading up here where they they would have had just as little quiet time as what they would have had in the years gone by. I don't know. I think. I think. Do you no, think there's a, Do you think that there's extra media pressure on them? Yes. Which means that they don't. You know, maybe they're not as relaxed getting into the car because you don't get this at Le Mans 24 hours. The drivers are given whatever they need to do to perform the task. I don't think the guys there worry too much about the media pressure. The media pressure comes afterwards. Maybe the pressure's coming from other areas. Mm, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like I said, if I'm not making excuses, it was the pressure for them to perform because it's so competitive and there's so many good drivers all within nothing of each other. You know, that mm. the, the pressure there is... Uh, it's huge. ...to get a result. 
is just unbelievable. I know. It's kind of sad, actually, because I look at them and I think a lot of those drivers in that, in any form of racing, but especially in the V8s, um, you know, a lot of them have probably grown up as kids dreaming, you know, dreaming, this is what I love. And they have a genuine love and passion for it. Um, and yet they get to, and look, a handful of them ever get to the top, as we all know. How many of them actually see in that car still having that excitement of, wow, I'm doing my dream? Or have they totally lost that and it's turned into, this is my job? And yes, I, I think that's very much the case. And um, it, just recently, the, the V8 Ute Series has announced that it's going international and we'll do mm. our first international event at Manfield in the first weekend of February. Yeah. Now, um, Gary Baxter has uh, very, uh, very uh, timely uh, signed up super cheap autos to mm -hmm. sponsor the car for that event and maybe on, later on into the year and Jason Richards has co-signed to co-drive with him being a three race event it's uh, the format is such that the Australians do one race the New Zealanders do another race and then there's a, a, a driver swap event and um, I know uh, Mark Sakanovic had been trying to get uh, 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 Greg Murphy on board and whilst you know sure Greg put his hand up and said look you know I'll do it for a fee. It's. I think he's also going and saying, "Man, I need some time out because I'm just racing cars all the time." But is this where 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 is the fine line? Is he public property? Should should a racing car driver in the supercar series be public property, or should they be able to make the decision to 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 to, to not do something like that? Especially when you have a Trans Tasman event like that, where you do need the numbers from from both nationalities involved. Mm. I don't know about that. Are you going to just become a New Zealander suddenly? He is. He's not saying a word. Are you going to become a New Zealander? <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> well, I am alive. I'm, th I'm probably thinking too deeply about what you're saying. It's a fairly deep issue here, really. Um, well, this is where Radio Hotlap gets right to the truth of the matter, Rick. And that's why we've got the deep I, thinkers. I, seem to, I mean, my theory is that to a point, yes, they, are, they do become public property, but... That yeah. is dependent on what team they're well, in. Well, they're more public property now than they've ever been before, mm. and that's the way that the nature of V8 supercars are such as gone, hasn't it? You know, mm. they're, they're celebrities. And, then, and they're in the public eye all the time, whether they're at the track or at home driving a tractor or you know, feeding the sheep out the back and, or whatever they're doing. Well, because that's because they're plastered on the television. I did meet Skippy Parsons down in Tasmania. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Digressing. <laughs> but the, I still see the pressures on them. Because let's look at Glenn Seaton, for example. I don't believe for one minute that Glenn's lost it. In no way. He is still a talent. Once you got it, I reckon you pretty much will always have it. Exactly. Right. And he's still got it. And he's as good as the best or any of them out there it may not be shown at the moment and the only reason that would be was because of the team he's with or the equipment he's got to work with or the people that are working with him and for him and sometimes things don't go your way it doesn't make you look so good now everybody's got an off day and everyone's got a day where they shine but you know we can't have you can't have all of the drivers shining and winning on the same day naturally but the, the onus or the pressure on them to shine more often than the others is, is more than it used to be. I reckon that probably takes a toll. The mainstream media are pretty critical. It pushes and pushes and pushes the drivers to do well. As a, as a Yeah, you're right. They're, 
media is very critical. Should should professional drivers ignore the media and not read what is in the press? Or you know, it, some it of can them be, do. It can be can be can be tempting. Some to, of them to pick, do exactly that, and they've mm. made it public that that's what they do. Mm. You know, they've said it out aloud. That, oh, we don't we don't read or listen to anything that's said in the media. And they don't let it bother them, and maybe that's their way of of dealing with the pressure. So they only pressurise them, themselves as opposed to copying all this unneeded outside pressures. It's true, because, I mean, as we all know, unfortunately, the whole point of media is to give you a story and you want to make it as exciting as possible. And mm. we all know that, you know, the truth is kind of stretched and pulled a bit here, there and everywhere. And, and also sometimes when, you know, things aren't going quite well for you, they're pretty, they can be pretty mean and derogatory. And I think, yeah, that can take a toll if you are constantly reading that about yourself and your team, it's not going to give you a little, you know, a boost at all, by any means, isn't it? Mm. So, yeah, those that have decided not to read it, I think, okay, wise move, don't get involved with it. Then they don't know, nothing. It's like the old saying, don't know, doesn't hurt you, doesn't it? It's a new year coming up, and the first round of the V8 Supercar Championship will be held at Adelaide at the Clipsal 500, a great event. Now, Rick, John's there's hometown. nothing you like more than bringing that RX-7 down to Adelaide <laughs> Putting it on pole, winning a race, and putting it back in the shed for the rest of the year just to shove it up. Coming? <laughs> How Australian was that? Coming? At the moment, I don't know. And the simple reason for that is nobody knows what is happening with the performance car championship in this country at the moment. As we sit, we don't know what's happening. Quite true. I was chatting to your old RX-7 teammate when you ran uh, down in Canberra at the Greasy Meaty Cutlet 400, um, Barry Morecambe. And uh, he had exactly the same question, saying to me, look, I'm going to run the Evo 8 if there's a TV package. If there's not, I'm going to do tarmac rallies. And, and you're referring to the, the Cutlet 400 because the, the, I think, remember from memory, the first week we were down there racing there, we, we were living on uh, Greasy... <laughs> <laughs> cutlet chops off the barbecue I think every every morning lunch and, and dinner You're just kidding. about no um, <gasps> but we so did get a few pre, uh, pre um, um, laps in before the circuit opened we did until we were stopped by a security guard and but did literally... we know how to deal with the security <laughs> well, guard we, Linda I tell you it was funny because you never told me I had the, the two door STI and Rick went give it here you're an idiot <laughs> Give me that round thing. So, so we went and charged out of the track. See, that, the that was my way of driving the opposition's car. Was, uh, <laughs> on the track, I drove the Mazda, and off the track, I drove the, the Subaru, which is what all the opposition he's, were driving he's at the time. so cunning, isn't he? And the, the security guy stopped us and said, look, uh, mate, you can't bring the car in here. This is, this is the track. And we said, well... well he basically we, said, what do you think you're and doing? And it was and like, you know, Fred Smith too? security. You know, and we went, <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, said, have you spoken to Fred Smith? Because we know... He goes, oh... No. Uh, I said, well, he's okay it. So he went, what's his name again? And it was someone else <laughs> other than Fred Smith's security. So we had Tony Giorgio or something. Anyway, so we shot off around the track. And then some around, around the back of the track said, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, you better tell that to Tony Giorgio because he's going to be upset about you chucking us out. <laughs> oh, okay. We must have got half a dozen laps in. Rick, what time did you get? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you I do realise you was... just stuffed yourselves up by telling everybody this story. Well, there ain't no greasy, meaty cutlet 400 no more. <laughs> no, You're going back to not, Canberra. You won't be really able to scam your way in there anymore. The only thing common with Canberra is, and, uh, and the future is reverse grid races. Oh, yes. That's a touchy subject. But that's... You already touched on that. That last week. That was. But look, back to Adelaide. That is, it is a <laughs> fan, 
fantastic circuit because I, I I'm a fan of street circuits. I yeah. like the concrete Which walls is your around me. Street. Right, yeah, I like to. Turn eight, you like I like to see how many times I can <laughs> rub the mirrors on the walls, and it doesn't bother me whatsoever. It's a really good place, and I'd love to go back there. I'd love to drive a V8 there, which I've never done. Uh, I'm well, in a, super, a supercar. But, uh, Let's find Rick a V8. I don't think I'll be back there in the Mazda. I really don't, because I don't think the Mazda's going to be on the um, eligibility list. I think it's going to get kicked off because it's too old. Let's assume that performance car, which was the old GTP category, goes ahead and, and, and now it's under new new management, I, I believe. Uh, Craig Nader. Ex-Proco uh, guys are yeah. uh, looking after it. And, and, and I reckon they got the right bloke too. Craig's doing a really yes, good job. Yes, and uh, let's assume it all goes ahead. But is there any future in being able to develop something like this, your wonderful RX-8 road car, which looks absolutely sensational, Rick, with those, the custom really rickshaw wheels moment. and wing and all you that sort of stuff? get speeding tickets when it's parked. <laughs> with a number plate races, I mean, yeah, I'm no not, wonder I'm they're all coming up going. And you reckon well, you could whatever. have put a, put a bigger and, yeah. well, It goes well with the old number plate you used to have on the STI, which was Pole. Was it ONP On Pole. Yes, that's the one we were driving around the the Canberra racetrack on Pole on the number plate. Yeah, no wonder we got pulled over. Oh my goodness, there's a word for people. But anyway, but is there is there a future in RX eights going racing? Because we haven't seen that in around the world, no, I don't think. Not in, ju- not in performance that? car, because it's not a competitive vehicle. It hasn't got the power. Is it too heavy for the power? It, uh, well, it's not a case of being too heavy. It's actually quite a light car, but it just doesn't got the power. It hasn't got the grunt. It's got fantastic balance. Um, in produ- it's on the production car list, and I believe it would do reasonably well in production cars. No one's chosen to run one yet. I've actually looked at it but I'm not sure the production car championship is a strong enough championship to be involved in at the moment. Well, it's all about TV, and if you don't have TV, where do you go? It is, and I'm not sure about all these staggered starts with the different classes, and, you know, I don't really know how the, the public perceive... What do you mean, staggered starts? ...that to be good. Well, they, they, they stagger the starts with production cars. They have been doing that for a while now. They, they let the, the slower cars go first, and then the faster cars go last and play catch-up, and they... But it's all oh, the same. It's all time handicapping. Off. It's all so. the same. Go. It's just a handicapping system. But yeah. you all still go from the flag. Well, I never knew like, Wait flag. a few seconds and then yeah. go. I didn't know that. I just assumed that the guys at the front had less money, so therefore they couldn't <laughs> go out to dinner longer on a nicer wife. Whereas the guys down the back, you know. Well, it's just my thinking. Well, it's 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 that's the John way of thinking. And you know, when you come from Adelaide, I, I guess it's. He doesn't come from I Adelaide. I don't come from Adelaide. I'm sorry, I've just I have to correct down you. down to Adelaide for well, three years. Hang on, I thought he got off a plane. I think he got paid last with weekend Sydney and, and just left and went. That's it. Is that not right? Cost um, too much. Let's move but, to Adelaide. Uh, what was the reason? We won't go there. I just uh, concrete walls. I was looking for That's fresh what we want in Adelaide. Concrete Linda. walls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But look, guys, what, what I'm saying, <laughs> sorry Stop to interrupt, it. but what, what, I'm, what I'm saying there is that I'm not, I mean, the production car guys are quite happy with their staggered starts, their handicap starts. I don't think that the viewing public on TV or whatever, or even the people that sit in the grandstands, like it or appreciate it as much as what they think they might. So, why? You it gets, con- be more, I it mean, gets confusing. It. Let's it, it, say it, you, you like it. Why wouldn't you like? Because you you say it's confusing, but the thing is, the diehard fans they're gonna know their team's cars and their colours and their numbers and everything about them. So 
I'm looking at and saying, well, are the punters going to be more excited about seeing the great guys at the rear and the fast guys at the rear battling their way through? And I mean, I look at it also and think, well, it doesn't really happen because half of the slower cars grid. pull over and let the faster cars go by anyway. Yeah, because the poor guys are wetting but their pants, basically looking in their the, mirrors. The only excitement, the, the only excitement lies in the last couple of laps when the faster cars actually catch up to the slower cars, mm. and they they obviously time it all so that by the time the checkered flag comes out, they're all supposed to cross the finish line at the same time. Right. Now you're talking as a driver's point almost, of view. It's a form of reverse. Well, okay, maybe, maybe you know, being a driver, I talk about it from a driver's point of view, but. I don't know. I, to, me, to me, I just prefer the, the the typical conventional, you know, grid format. Fastest cars at the front, slowest cars at the rear. And the flag drops. They all go together and do your best. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest. My I believe in that as well. I'm fully in agreement with what you're saying. I think that if you've done the time to get on the top, you know, pole position, you deserve to be there, mm. and that's where you start from because you've worked your ass off, basically. Oops, to um, be there, right? But then again, you have to turn it upside down, as you know, some of us can and can't do, and look at it from the media perspective. And why are you at the front? Because the guys that are sitting in the stands are the ones that are paying the money to come and see you, to buy your merchandise, to watch you on television. And you've got to look at it from their point. Are they, are they doing this because they think that the, the viewing audience is going to be more excited about seeing this? That's the other side of the coin we've got to look at. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that everyone can email you, John, and say yes, no. Well, they can email us if they like, but they could also go to the website, radiohotlap.com, and um, click on make a suggestion or yeah, get involved and, and tell us what you let, think. Let everybody know so that John can tell the whole world. Tell, tell this us, is what tell people us what, think. Yeah, tell us what you want to think or send us an email to support. Mm. At uh, Radio Hotlap. Oh, uh, support at hotlap.com or, or Rick Shaw at radiohotlap.com. I'll set up an email address specifically. Linda Long at radiohotlap.com. Oh, I might be coming back. Well, Linda, you, you might be a more permanent female I'm, on the I'm show. I'm hoping if, if the people that are listening to this let's show talk like about me, women maybe. And if not, oh dear. Yes, We've got let's talk about first women. woman guest <laughs> on the show. Let's talk about women in motorsport. But that what was about ex- women in and, motorsport? And, you and tell if, me from a male perspective. And if the, the listeners want to email John at uh, whatever at it John. is, then at, 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 at johnbignose.com. Then um, we've got email addresses going out everywhere here. Snoz.com. <laughs> then uh, <laughs> I thought it was nose what, phone, but anyway. What well, do they think about women in a, in a man's orientated, male dominated sport? Ooh. Well, there do are they think they should be there or shouldn't do be there? Do they think they do a good enough job? We really are going to open up. I don't Talking ca- about I pressures on V8 supercar drivers, what if there was now more women in V8 supercars? Would that put more pressures onto the male drivers? Oh. I mean, we had I've Melinda only Price and uh, and uh, what was the other girl's Leanne name? Leanne Ferrier. Rachel Spike. She had a bit of a go, didn't she? Drew. Drew. Uh, what the was track? her name? No, I'm thinking of the other girl. I can't think of her name at the moment. It'll come back to me in a minute. Yep. That were were there in V8 supercars yeah, for whatever yeah. reason they were there. They, they were there. And, and, and Tanda married her. And then, uh, yeah, you're that's... off the pace, mate. Well, You've got no y- idea what's y- going no, on. No, I'm going back to the Cougars. I'm going back to the Cougar girls with Perkins. Did you say Tanda? Yeah, didn't Garth Tanda marry? No, that was Leanne Ferrier. That's what I said. Oh, I thought we were Leanne Tanda. Sorry, I'm talking about Melinda Price. Here we are. We're all talking about different women. Bloody good driver. Melinda Price rolled the one two one down the Sandown Strait. Down the roof, sliding down the road. That was good. And then there's Rachel 
Rochelle Splat yeah. in no, the uh, in the that in top was, um, yes. But she's, all sorts she's of different things. Well. You've got Kathy Legg in doing an A1 GP. You've got uh, what's her I name? I know we're digressing overseas, but, but, but Danny Patrick. Of, yeah, that's right. How and good is Tanya that Golson. Girl? It was Tanya Golson who slid down a roof at Sandown. I know I sponsored Jenny a Golson. car. Jenny Golson, was that Ray's daughter? I sponsored a 121. It was the all-female 121 series. Oh, well, there you go. And it was a big upside-downer down the straight at Sandian and Ray, wasn't it? It was. It was and a she's... big mess. And you were yeah. sitting there thinking, this was a good deal. Well, he had some... He, he oh, we said, probably would have we had the signage on the... We had the signage on the bumper bars up the other way around. Oh, right? exactly. No, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. That's well. preempting crap. No, she was a great anyway. driver. Linda, anyway. you found some of this interesting in that... As a country, we've had a lot of good women drivers. Yes, we have. We have. So and we're talking and we've about had a lot of women, good women drivers, drivers like worldwide. As I said just a minute ago, Danica Patrick, but my hero and will always be is Michelle Mouton. That's quite true. You um, you mentioned that to me the other night. Rally championship. And uh, there was a lovely shot of you. You, you just recently gone to Paris. Yes, I first have. First class, no less. I've Linda. just been around the world, first class. First and there she's wow. staying at Hyatt hotels in Wipari and Madrid, and um, where else did I? Oh, New York, Hong Kong, all through Spain. But and you're all going. Oh my God! You know, like who the hell is she? But that was about seven years of saving up frequent flyer points. 420,000 <laughs> frequent flyer points. Numerous hours of sitting on the internet at God knows what hour in the morning because it's the only time you can actually book these goddamn flights. And, yeah, I finally, in May this year, scored around the world a first-class flight, staying and using my points as well, staying in Hyatt hotels everywhere. I shouldn't plug them, but I do because that was pretty mad. Hyatt.com, is it? Hyatt.com, best rates. And then, yeah, and I had a mad time. So here I am. I've done the long-haul flight really hard in first class, but I had to slum and go business from Heathrow to Weepuddy. And oh, man, me you're okay? arriving... You are right? Yeah, I know. It was a bit sad. But anyway, they didn't have any first class flights doing their little short hauls. So I've arrived in Paris 11 in the morning, checked in, and by one four, I looked at my clock. Um, I was out on the streets of Paris and... And within half an hour, I'm walking down the Champs Elysees, and there's I couldn't believe it because you'd think it's all shopping, as in women's fashion, etc., etc., men's fashion, whatever. No, all the car dealerships, all the car dealerships have these little boutique stores along the Champs Elysees and down the Place de la Concorde. So anyway, I'm walking along. First shop I see was the Audi shop, and what attracted me was they had the most beautiful display of miniature cars of every Audi on a rotating sort of thing whatever you call it and I'm looking at these going oh this is pretty mad and as I look through into the window into the showroom there was this Audi Quattro in these very familiar yellow red and white colours and I went hmm what is this and I got a little bit excited the heart's going because you know I'd sort of thrown rallying away but you can't do that so I've walked into the store and they're all very you know French not very obliging but that was okay because I did look like the slummy tourist and there is Michelle Mouton's and Fabrizio Pons original 1985 Audi Quattro four-wheel drive turbo which Audi were the ones that as we know sort of developed and started the whole four-wheel drive turbo you know huge kabang back in the early 80s and here was the winning car from the World Rally Championship of Monte Carlo so I thought my god if this is the first thing I see this trip is going to be awesome 
Michelle Mouton had a very unique style of driving. She didn't take her foot off the throttle, like pretty much like most women, anyway, and just kept <laughs> touching the brake. Her excuse was she wanted to keep the keep the, keep it on boost, and it would get out of the corner. But uh, they she were, must have um, got the pedals mixed up. She didn't know which was the brake and which was the accelerator. Oh, listen she here! Thought she was how many, the how many world rally championships have you won, Mister? Sitting over there. Yeah, Rosie. and a moment ago you, you invited well the women to come on the show. Now they're going to crap out of you. You had a dig in the ribs, isn't it? She bites well. I do bite well. I'm uh, sorry, but get your facts right. So <laughs> women, women in motorsport, that's a subject. Yeah, women in motorsport, we, we bite. I've seen them a lot around barbecues. Ooh. Well, I'm not too bad at but the barbecues. That's right. See, and I'm multitasking. And that is the thing, good thing about women in motorsport, as I've said. We are multitasking. Well, we always have a bit of a focus on barbecues. Tell us about how you did this barbecue last oh, night last for us, Linda. Last night's teppanyaki. Well, I've got to tell everyone, to be very, very honest, John did do heaps of the help as well. He wrote out the shopping list for me. So <laughs> here I am running around doing the tourist bit with my cousins at Taronga Zoo, which I was really upset about. All the animals were asleep. But anyway, madly running to the grocery stores the week before Christmas. God help us. Please don't go near a shopping centre. It's horrific. Got all the bits and pieces, came home. Two of us madly chopping, cutting and grating and whatever. Well, actually, you've done a fair bit of it. And I just brought all the meats and stuff home. And then we sat outside in the table. I have my dining table outside. I'm not conventional. I have no dining table in my house. It's outside. Sounds Carol like it was better than the takeaway food from We had this beautiful barbecue Park. where we cooked... What did we cook first? Actually, we, we cooked the perch. We had perch fillets. But we, the, the mechanism to cook on was rather... There's a uh, one of these like easy electric breville. Can I say the brand? Yeah, what it's is a, I, I will say the brand. I said because, Well, no, it's not. It's a sunbeam. Oh, you little sunbeam. And you didn't and but anyway, it's a sunbeam um, electric grill, hot plate grill that you can put around anywhere in your house. And so we take it outside. And how I learned about this was actually through John. Many years ago, one out night on your balcony, and we had an amazing little teppanyaki dinner, didn't we? We did indeed. And I think the next day, it was the next day I did, I was out and I went and bought one from Barbecues Galore, but I'm sure you can get them. But anyway, <laughs> we might even have another one tonight. I think we will. We've got enough ingredients left. Well, Rick, would you like to stay for a bit of like teppanyaki? Oh, I thought you'd never <laughs> I was about to get in the car, drive out to Oran Park, you know, and order a, a hot dog and chips. Do you know how far Oran Park is from here? Come We're home for dinner? No. Oh, that's okay. Just don't, don't, you know, I'd rather you get everybody happy and on site. Or you can happily come over, bring the kids and come over. Whatever. We might just we give a little bit of a, give the give the viewers a little bit of a um, an understanding about where we actually are. We're, where Linda lives. <laughs> well, not exactly. It's a bit of a secret location, and uh, but it's it's up a long driveway, and it's a bit, quite a while. How much space have you got here? I have. Seven Linda's acres. a long way away from anywhere, and that's a play on words. Play on words, isn't it ironic Linda that long, it's, I'm vertically challenged? But, uh, yeah, my name is Long. Galston. Should we travel through Galston Gorge? And which when you come out road. of Galston Gorge on the other Good side... Good old famous Galston Gorge, which may not be known to many, too many viewers, as you say, well, John. Well, certainly uh, not our listener in Greenland. Bloody no, good, bloody good test track, the old Galston Gorge. Very good test track. It's a little bit like a, uh, a shortened version of, uh, of a Targa stage. Well, actually, if you want to compare well, it to a Targa stage, I'll actually give you well, a good example. Okay, I would compare this stage, stage to... It is a cross between Elephant Pass because of the very tight twisty hairpins but a little bit more undulating so let's take the hairpins at the side wing if people from Targa know where we're talking about near Scottsdale and Tasmania that is what Gorsum Gorge is like and I can tell you exactly it has six hairpins two bridges, one two lane one one lane um, and 
No, I'm not going to tell people anything else about it because it's. It was. Do you remember? I don't and know if you did it, but. 60 kilometer hour speeds. Uh, it is now. Speed, uh, Do you know, when I first moved here 17 years ago, I couldn't. I just laughed when I ended up buying this house because I thought, how ironic. Here is this house right near this a Fang Road that, as a child or, you know, teenager when we got our licenses, that was our Fang Road on a Friday, Saturday night. Yeah. You know, and you go fanging through Did there I? because yeah. back then, yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Was it your fang road? Because we all Absolutely. give up this area, and Gorsum Gorge was our fang road. And back then, and you know, I'll be honest, it was a bloody long time ago, probably twenty-three years ago for me. We used to come along through here, but they had no painted lines on the road, so no double lines, no single lines, no cat size, no armco, no speed limits, no even signs for the hairpins. We had nothing, so legally back then it was free for all you could overtake anywhere through Golston Gorge legally which did occur and I can tell you now if you know Golston Gorge to be honest very honest with yourself there are three places in total in Golston Gorge uh, actually four four places in total in Golston Gorge you can pass someone did you well, know that, Rick? It depends who you, you know pass them and whether they want you to pass. I mean, well, it's a case if it was John of Bauer if they don't want of you, you to pass, no shit in hell there are three places that you can actually do what he does so well. It's sit in the middle of the road. and Well, there's three. If, if they don't want you to pass, there's three that you can get them. Does he think smart. he's. Do you think. Do you, JB thinks he's driving a, uh, a tarmac rally being in the middle of the road? <laughs> oh. Ooh. I, I don't know. You asked John, but what, what, I'm actually complimenting John by what I just said because he, he is very good at what he does. He is very good. I think he's the opposition behind you, and yeah. let's face it, that's what motorsports well, all that about. Is. It's, Keep the other right. bugger behind you, so you come home first. In rallying, it's slightly different how you do that. I remember one day at the it was actually the inaugural Queensland 500. Can you say that again? Inaugural. Inaugural. He said he's on his third Corona. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I uh, I let let John pass me during the race. And uh, I mean, he pays me to do that. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm Well, <laughs> and at least you, you both got your name on the same jacket. Yeah, we do. But uh, no, I've given him this little sort of a, a, a love kiss, a tap up up the backside. Uh, That's just saying hi, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you know, oh, with yeah, my front bumper at? bar and his back bumper bar, just as he, you know, just to say, well, you know, you didn't wave, you bastard. I let you pass, and you didn't Rubbing. wave. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's supposed to say hello and thank you for letting me over there. Yeah, sometimes it's a and, bit of a uh, fast hand movement. I've said to him after the race, I said, oh, sorry about the bit of a tap up the backside there. And he said, what tap? So, like, he didn't even know I'd hit him. Is that a worry that he didn't know? Or is it so, mean that he was just... Uh, yeah, and I sort of, you know, it was sort of one of those things that, you know, it doesn't really matter that you did it because these sort of things happen, but I probably should have hit him harder. Probably to make sure that he did know you were there. Wasn't that the whole point of the exercise line in the beginning? Well, yeah. Honestly? Yeah, it was. It was. Breaking cover, boys and girls, is the new colour schemes and uh, racing cars for 2006. <sighs> Linda's looking at me going, I was going to talk about that. No, but, I wasn't. Uh, I was just uh, actually admiring it because black. Well, look who's here. Well, okay. Well, firstly, we'll just quickly have a quick look at it. It looks like uh, Larry Perkins has shed his castrol colours, which mm. he was, we all knew about for a while, and uh, we'll be uh, running uh, Jack Daniels Racing. Well, that's going to be hard to keep those cars looking good in black brick, you know, and dents. How bad do they show up on the dark cars? <laughs> You well, know first, all about first that. First of all, I'll drink to that. 
checked in. As right, but, okay. Um, then... Okay, so that's a positive. Everyone's happy with Jack Daniels. I like the colour. Rick likes just the logo and the brand. Dick Johnson's <laughs> shown his new, uh, new colours. Uh, the West Point uh, colour scheme has gone to be replaced by two key brands, which are actually part of his own entity, V8 Telecom. Uh, so obviously you want a new oh, phone yes. or an internet connection, you'll go to him. And First Rock Home Loans. Now, where would he have got that name from? <laughs> Been thinking about it for 25 years. Twinstones? The Rock. Um, interestingly, along with that, is Johnson that he's, um, he signed a deal up with, with Warner Brothers to promote, uh, <laughs> promote the Flintstones and the Wacky Races. <laughs> Characters, so you know, Muttley and Dastardly Dan are going to be part of it. So now I can expect to see like the the Channel Ten coverage when something something a bit of a drama happens. It's going to go in the background, you know, as they're sort of like tippy toeing on the grass, getting back onto the track. But it's good to see wacky races. I love the wacky races. Love the wacky races. They're on cable still. Are they? Yep, eleven o'clock at night. Not all of us can afford cable or unlimited broadband. Are you having a go at me because you have all the technology available to you for a change? Have a go at her fridge. She's got more buttons on her fridge. Thank you, Omega Smeg. Omega Smeg appliances. They are the ultimate in white goods and everything else. And I now have a new Omega fridge, which I absolutely adore, along with my Smeg dishwasher and microwave and range. But we won't go any further. That would have nothing to do with the fact that you've been... You're you're the Evo girl, aren't you? Aren't you? Driving uh, with Warwick Brooklyn in the the Mitsubishi Evo 7, sponsored by (laughs) Omega Smeg. Did they just happen to fall down and arrive here? Well, maybe, but let's be honest, I'll be very honest with you, prior to me um, doing anything with Warwick and the Omega Smeg deal, I actually did have a Smeg appliances because I am Italian and I'm fussy. And I'm sorry, some things were Australian products, but a lot of them were Italian. They were Smeg, well, and I had Smeg products already. If you're fussy, how did we manage to get the show in here? Because in my old age, I'm sort of mellowing. Slipping and through I'm, the cracks. I'm, I'm allowing anybody in, actually. No, I'm not. I'm age. We're mellowing. Okay, mailbag time. Well, we're old friends. I, I see Warwick's friends. not going to do Tiger next year. Oh, God. My heart's that's, gone now. That's a big pity. <laughs> it's palpitating because I'm not doing Tiger the first time in so many years. Yeah. I mean, Warwick's a great driver, as, oh. as some of the listeners might know who, who follow, but uh, he's got the... Warwick's an he's, amazing He's driver. got the runs up on the board, and I've, I've done two Nürburgrings with him. Yes, you have. And I've done uh, Sepang 12 yes, hour with Sepang him. Yes, Sepang 12 hour, that's right. And and, um, and, I've, and, I've, and I've chased him and, and tried to catch him during this year's target. Oh, that sounds interesting. But, um, <laughs> On the track, I'm talking. <laughs> but and, you did catch us, and uh, <laughs> only because he crashed. Yeah, and which is really unfortunate. Linda held and, everything up. Yeah. You know, if you're going to crash, why would you crash that late in the event, Linda? Mate, I tell you, the two of us. Well, uh, from what I do remember, and I do remember I, a fair bit. I, it's all I, come back to me. But I got, I got to say, the section it. of road that he came unstuck on was one of those sections of road with the conditions that anybody. Oh. Anybody could have and would have come unstuck on it. You know, and, and I mean, how I didn't crash on it, I don't know. And you had two luck. less wheels. Yeah, picking. absolute luck that I didn't just, crash. I couldn't believe it. I mean, to do with skill or anything. No, like and he just did go through a lot of that self-doubt thing. What have I done? I don't know. You know, and looking at the assessing the situation, going back to the scene, checking the car, and having actually checked by someone. Um, it had nothing to do with Warwick's look, driving look, ability whatsoever. No, the sad so part no, was... No, we were driving on black ice. Oh, I mean, look, we had this... absolute black ice. Yeah. This is a joke. They should have closed the section. Well, and they look didn't. what happened. For the first time in Targa history, and I mean this, since the inception of Targa, they have never, ever done this. 
On the stage that we're talking about, it's called Mount Arrowsmith, and it's actually 47-odd kilometres long, which it used to be 52, it's now shortened back. But it is one of the longest... It is the longest stages in Targa. It's on the west coast of Tasmania, which is a very rugged countryside. But it is always abysmal conditions. It doesn't matter whether you're there in January, guys. It, it's bad conditions, and that's OK. It's coming from the Antarctic, whatever. Anyway, we've come up to do the stage and there's a major hold-up. And for the very first time in history, the event secretary, Stuart Benson, had come down to us and said, look, we have added three minutes to the base time on this stage. Now, for those of you who don't know, Targa is actually an event where you race and, yes, you are timed to, you know, whatever time you do, but it goes against the penalty time and they have a base time and a maximum time. And the whole point of it is being within that base and maximum time so you get your Targa trophy. For those who go for outright, you want to be under base, which is a pretty hard task on some stages and on others it's quite easy. Best thing for you to do is to look up the targa.org.au website and um, it'll explain it all to you. Anyway, so we've gone to this stage, they've added three minutes to this the base time of this stage, which has never been done in a stage before. It's either dry, you run it with, and it's classified dry, intermediate, wet. and which we knew then, holy moly, this has got to be bad. And the reason why is we had snow, uh, we had hail, we had rain, sleet, wind like you would not believe, and naturally, you know, damn cold temperatures for all of this happening. So, yeah, we've sat there and we've talked about it going, oh, and I've said, you know, holy moly, they've never done it's, this before. It snowed. It, it, well, it's not the first time it's snowed. For you, it was the first time. For me, Tasmania is my equivalent to doing Monte Carlo. You know, because it's it's ice, snow, and that's what it is. Anyway, we've only got four point three five. Being the co-driver, I know exactly. Kilometers uh, eight five. Sorry, correct me. Eight five. Four point eight five kilometers in the stage. We're coming around a corner, which for us with a one six system um, was uh, a left four and a half five system. five. So it's pretty flowing. <laughs> Um, because we knew the conditions were bad, we weren't going ballistic. We we're only doing about one hundred and forty kilometers around there. But unfortunately. With Targa, you're only allowed four tyres a whole event. So we're on day five. We've got no um, tyres left because it's you know, near the end of the day. We nearly finished the rally. We're actually on canvas, which we didn't realise. We've hit black ice, kabang, boom, into horrible steel cables, wrapped around the car, and there we were. No more. Really sad. And That's a really unfortunate story. Nothing but, to but do what's with more his driving. He's not going back to have another go and do it again next year. And from my point of view... Warwick that's, is that's definitely one of these sad. guys that's very tough on himself. He is very tough, but the upside is, six weeks later, um, new car, back down in Tasmania, go and do the Rally of Bernie, second outright next to uh, Jim, Jim Richards beat us in the Porsche, which, you know, you can't compare it to the Evo oh, 7. So is, I think that, that's an awesome... Absolutely, that's a, definitely a, a good way to sort of uh, move move forward from, yeah, from exactly. a big problem. You know. Now... Boys and girls, uh, usually we have my uh, trusty co-host, uh, JP. I know, and I was so looking forward to JP. Well, JP here. wasn't going to be here, but we've got him on the phone, and he, he wants Yay. to say hello. JP, are you there, mate? Rick and Linda are here. Yes, Hardy, I'm here, buddy. How are you, Linda? How are you going, Rickles? Hi, Hello, JP. Awesome, mate. Good. That's good to hear. I was just listening to that last bit about you with the black ice there, Linda. Fuck mm. on that. Oh, never mind. That's, that's racing. That, that's just the drink she's having. That, <laughs> the ah, rush, black no, rush. We got some good beers. I haven't even had a beer yet. Do you realise that? Oh, you're out of sync. Sydney time. It's not fair. You're a, you're in front of me. 
Mate, uh, obviously the iPods are walking out the door um, uh, at a very high speed down there at Apple Centre Adelaide. Mate, it's an absolute madhouse here. Uh, we're running out of stock rapidly, but we're even giving vouchers away now so people can come and pick some up when we've got more stock next week. How You're kidding, so you've already run out? Well, not completely run out. Just certain <gasps> models are uh, definitely uh, on their last legs. I reckon they will be gone by lunchtime tomorrow. Do you have any of yeah, the elusive... Now until Tuesday next week, Wednesday next week, whenever we come back to work. JP, do you have any of the elusive black video 60 gig iPods? We do. <gasps> if anybody's in Adelaide listening, trust me, in Sydney, they are a dime a dozen. They're so hard to find. I walk We've miles only got to get about mine. three or four left, though, I have to is, do. Is it, and yeah. I think in the 60 gigs, there's probably about 15 whites, and that's your lot. Is it true, John, that, that everybody, every guest on, on, on the show gets a, a free iPod when they leave? No, it's definitely totally a total lie, Rick. <laughs> okay, Damn. I'm leaving. <laughs> Just lost the that, that worked a treat, mate. I was trying to get rid of him before dinner. Oh, uh, were you? What have we, got? we haven't got the deluxe steak okay. tonight. Did you We've, notice my iChat message today? No, no deluxe steaks tonight. At, at, at this point, you know, like, can I ask, what's an iPod? <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. So you haven't changed them, Rick. You're still up with the technology then. No, mate, I'm still living on um, greasy uh, greasy uh, pork chops or whatever it was, uh, cutlets that we were living on back at uh, back at the, uh, the, the oh, Canberra gee, race. That was a long, long time ago. That was Canberra. Oh, you haven't forgotten, though, have you? No, of course not. How could I forget? I've got photos, you know. Have you? Yeah. Oh, I've still got the memory of you hurtling bloody uh, Hardy's STI around. <laughs> well, we've actually done that little show, little thing a little we bit were, earlier on. We were on. talking about that when we got kicked off the circuit. By Tony doing, Giorgio, but anyway. We're doing laps right. at night we shouldn't have been doing, but that's another, that is the other story. Well, that was good fun. Now, Knackers, you, uh, you said, uh, you, actually, uh, you knew uh, Rick and Linda were coming on the show, so uh, yep. mate, you'd been doing a little bit of research. What have you got to say for yourself down there? Oh, well, you know, I mean, I found out very little about either of them because I've been far, far too busy. But I always wanted to ask Linda, it just fascinates me that um, any lady who likes to go fast sideways, um, you know, mo most of the women of my experience, you start putting your foot down and the next thing you get a tap on the shoulder, aren't we going a bit fast? <laughs> You're hanging around the wrong woman. Here's someone who's actually, you know, uh, seems to get a buzz out of it and, and he's very good at it. It's, it's, did, did you sort of fall into it, Linda, or, or have you always... You know, been exposed to going fast in cars. I mean, how do you start to become a co-driver? <laughs> well, I was never exposed to going fast in cars. Quite the opposite. Um, I don't know. I seem to have this thing for cars since I reckon about the age of five or six. All and the cars you were in were parked. Ooh, that's a bit cutting. Does that, mm. is, that, is, that is that connected to the tip on the shoulder? Probably. Well, it could well be. It could well be. It could well be. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, look, JP, I don't know what it was about me, but I always had a thing for cars, even though in my family no one is car orientated um, until now. They're educated. Uh, yeah, um, I used to, I used to, I remember as a child, the one thing I used to love was watching Bathurst, which was the only time I was ever allowed to watch motor racing, and my brother and I had a big argument, he was always a Ford fan, so he told me I had to be holding, but bugger that, I loved Colin Bond and Alan Moffat, they were my heroes, and I don't give a crap, I went for them to those arguments, went from there, and unfortunately it was kind of a bit of a sneaky sneaky when I got older, I snuck off and joined a car club quietly, and then snuck off quietly, and started doing events and then couldn't keep it quiet anymore. <laughs> and so what did they say when they finally found out? Um, look, I'll be honest, and I know my mum and dad may or may not listen to this, um, they actually only really admitted it three years ago. 
Yeah, it is, I'm telling the honest truth. I'm telling the honest truth. Every time I went on a rally, I was going away. It was totally ignored. It was more a case of I'm a really bad mother leaving my children. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm looking at her resume, and she's got five bleeding WRC rounds over the love yeah, between I'm, 1998, 2000, and 2001. So she's sneaking off to the Middle East. Hey, nobody really knows the true story. My children actually used to come with me on a fair few rallies. Um, a lot of the service crew boys out there will know because they adored my nanny or my boy's nanny. And uh, yeah, uh, in the end, I actually had to stop taking the children because of the nanny because there was a little bit of a yeah, I couldn't get the service crew off the nanny. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true story. Rephrase that, or is that exactly what you meant? Well, the boys weren't—I mean, on her, they were chasing her. So there's a bit that's of That's the sort of nanny every team should have, by the sounds of things. Yeah, anyway, we won't go too much into that. But, yeah, the children ended up staying home, which really wasn't, you know, too bad. I mean, when I could, I would take them. There was one event every year that I definitely took them to. We classed it as a family event. They were very supportive and to this day still are and are actually quite cranky with me at the moment for saying I'm not doing much next year. Uh-huh. Mm, because they're now teenagers, so they want all the hot cars here. Well, of course they do, and obviously it's now now in the blood, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they want to follow in the footsteps, and do you have any objections about that? Obviously not. No, not at all. If anything, I feel really um, sort of guilty in a way that I can't um, help them financially to, you know, get themselves a car and get them a really good, n- nice car and get them out there. I mean... I would love to be able to do that at this point in you know, life. We can't, um, but that's okay. My boys are very good, and my oldest one is basically going, well, Mum, you know, I really want to do this, so I've gone sweaty. Do it like I did. Just work Excellent. hard and do it. Excellent. Well, that's wonderful to hear, Linda, and I, it's nice to get a bit of an insight from a lady, and, and you, of course, being the first lady on the show, <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're incredibly honoured. Oh, thank you. I know, I feel honoured. I was actually quite nervous before I got on, thinking, oh, my God. Other than Rusty Sausage. We're incredibly honoured to actually have you there on the show. Oh, thank oh, uh, you. I just wish you were here, JP, but it's great yeah, to have you. Yeah, I wish here. I was there as well, but we'll make it some other time when I'm less busy and I've got a bit more money in my pocket and the world's not going bananas, but there you go. There you well, go. the only reason you don't have I'm any money in your pocket... I've been now, hadn't I? But I'm the, sorry, Johnny, what were you... Mate, the only reason you don't have any money in your pocket is because you've been sending all the money to Apple to buy those iPods to make more money. Well, yeah, that's part of the reason. <laughs> One day he will have money. We're just not sure when. We just have to wait and see when. That's right. Now, Rickles, John. are you still there or have you run away? No, I'm still here. Are you still there? He's I'm still, still eating. I've I been, thought, I, thought I have been stuffing my face with all the munchies that, that, uh, that have been so wonderfully prepared here for us. Pumpkin scones. Oh, yes. Pumpkin scones. Oh, really? No, yeah. they're not pumpkin scones, but the cultural wasteland sitting next to me seems to think they are. <laughs> They've been paying out on me, JP. Oh, they haven't, have they? Mm, because you're not here to defend him. Nothing about Adelaide, I hope. Nothing! No! John, 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 tell us how you think uh, John Hart here is going to go at his his first um, uh, Targa Tasmania rally in the passenger seat. Mm. Um, Well, I think... Well, actually, I've bought him a set of uh, three pairs of brown undies for Christmas. Only three? That's the first three stages, mate. Yeah. No, 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 because he wears the same pair. He just turns them inside out each day, you know oh, that. that horrible boy thing. So, um, you know, I reckon they'll, they'll just about he'll manage to get through with just the three pairs. But, uh, no, I think he's going to find it a lot tougher than he thinks he is, to be honest. It's tougher than I think I am. I don't think I'm tough at all. <laughs> the rally is your wally. 
You know, and now I think about it, John, there's a there's a higher percentage of, of women or ladies in, in tarmac rally like Targa than what there is in, in, in tarmac circuit racing. Um, do, do you think there's any reason for that, Linda? Yeah, I do actually, as much as a lot of women are going to not like me for saying this. And I'll, look, I'll be honest too, um, I actually had to go at circuit racing as a lot of women do, I w- couldn't cut it couldn't cut it and I'll be honest I couldn't be up there at the front it really annoyed me however co-driving and being organizational as in you know multitasking doing organizational things women are actually very good at that and it's a fact well, yeah that's what that's, that's uh, if, if I had to sort of pull anything out of the hat I guess it'd be in that in that direction that you know if, if, if you want to get organized and you want things to happen and everything else uh, you get a woman to do it to make it make it do you know yeah so uh, yeah um now Rickle when are you going to stop driving them little buzz boxes around? And when are we going to see you back in um, production racing? Well, production being production cars, I presume you're talking about, John. Oh, yeah, I mean, like last year we saw you for the Quixel 500 and then you disappeared off the face of the planet again. And, uh, you know, what's, what's happening? Well, I didn't disappear. I mean, I went down to Tassie and, and had a, a hell of a lot of fun doing my first Targa. So you're, are you sort of going to be doing more tarmac rallying now rather than? Uh, oh look, yeah, we, we well, well, no. I mean, we, we have ended to do to do Targa again for 2006 to see if we can beat um, our eighth position that we came this year, and and we may may not do it, but regardless, we're there for the for the fun of it. But we, you know, I, I don't take Targa that that seriously, so far as motorsport goes. To me, it's to go and have a, a bit of a thrash and, and have some fun, but uh, I guess the competitive nature is still there. But not, I don't feel as competitive as what I do with circuit racing. Yeah, look, circuit racing for 2006. Hopefully, we will be back in the performance car championship, and it looks like it probably won't be in the Mazda uh-huh. um, at the moment. And we're in the middle of negotiations at the moment. It looks like it could be in a Ford. So Very that is about as much as what I can say at this point of time. Right. Uh, so, taking that, hope the you pull it off and, and it all happens. It'd be uh, be great to see you out there doing a, a, a full season and uh, in a different car. Well, look, it would. It's quite exciting. Like what we're planning on doing is very exciting for me. And, and unfortunately for the listeners, I can't go into too much detail about it at the moment. But I mean, I love a, it when a you new do all car, that secret stuff. a new all secret squirrel stuff, isn't it? A, a new <laughs> car and a new team and, and all that sort of stuff for a new year is um, yeah, it's all looking pretty exciting. So we'll just have to see if it all gets put together. But at the moment, we're all waiting. Everybody is waiting to find out what is actually going to happen with the performance car championship. Um, it's uh, sort of all laid out on the table, and nothing is a definite uh, as to what the calendar is going to be, what the TV deal is going to be. Uh, and what series we're going to actually run with, whether it's going to be the new CAM series or not. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is it going to be a CAMS or, uh, or otherwise? Well, we just, we just don't know. Um, and it's probably only a few days too early to be able to, to say. Uh, oh, well, well, thanks for the insight that you've given us anyway. It uh, certainly gives us all something to look forward to, and let's just hope that it all happens and the deal gets done. Something else to look forward to, JP, is um, in a couple of days' times it's Christmas, and with Christmas comes JP's turkey tips. Mate, what's going on with the barbecue and turkey turkey action? <laughs> oh, it's 
threading you're asking me that. Well, I mean, you've just got to remember, I, I, I'm no good on turkeys in ovens, all right? It's got to be barbecue, it's got to be a weather. If you're going to have a turkey, you've got to do it in the weather. Absolutely. And I can't tell you cooking times, because obviously it's going to vary with the size of the bird, and you've got to allow, you know, your 20 minutes per kilogram or whatever it is, whatever it is. Minus so the I alcohol volume of the beer you're drinking. putting your turkey in the weather, there are a few important things to remember. First of all, your turkey takes a long while to cook, so you're bound to need to top your beads up, your heat beads, probably about halfway through the allotted cooking time. The second thing, the most important thing, is that before you put the bird in the weather, you've got to make sure your coals are really well alight. So instead of, you know, a lot of people will just light the fire light 20 minutes later, yeah, that's good enough, fling the thing in, put the lid on, you still get that nice uh, paraffin flavour because the fire lighters haven't finished burning. Um, you're going to put, put a turkey in there, give it a good 40 minutes, I reckon. Thank you, Linda. To get the, um, the coals really nice and hot and all flaming and make sure that all traces of the fire lighters are gone. And the other important thing is a nice clean drip tray underneath and half fill it with water. Or if you really want to go the whole hog, whack some white wine in there as well. That keeps the whole of the inside of the uh, Weber nice and moist. And uh, that way you get a really good bird. And don't forget, if you're putting your um, turkey in the Weber, a couple of strips of foil, one down each side of the bird, so that the legs and the wings don't get all burnt and tough. JP, excellent, excellent tips. Mate, um, uh, before we sort of uh, move on, because uh, we're getting towards the end of the show here, uh, mate, get anything in your mailbag this week? Um, no, nothing spectacular, Johnny. I got a couple of demo CDs from Adobe. Um, you know, and I don't like it when they send me demo CDs because you can only just run the demos on a machine. And, you know, I like it when they send me real software, preferably with heaps of serial numbers. But, um, no, that's about all that's happened this week. And there's some, um, getting back to the iPods, I suppose there's some good stuff coming in, um, for in the way of iPod accessories. So, you know, if you get an iPod for Christmas or if you're looking for a Christmas gift for somebody with an iPod, Make sure you go to your local Apple store because there are millions and millions of accessories. There's, there's, there's like about 15 different uh, lots of speakers now. We've got these wonderful new ones called iGroove that you just slot your um, iPod in the middle of. They're very similar to the uh, Bose Sound Dock, but uh, they're a bit cheaper and they're a very nice looking unit. And then cases, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Lots of prices have dropped and everybody's got plenty of stock. For those viewers who uh, tuned in last week to the Christmas show and became listeners for a moment, uh, we did produce a video uh, um, episode uh, courtesy of uh, Kim Rogers from AV Central providing us that excellent 3CCD camera. Mate, I processed that stuff and uh, the AR19 of uh, video uh, took an awful long time to process with the QuickTime export to iPod function so we cancelled that and did a bit of a search around uh, the internet on versiontracker.com and found a little tool called iSquint um, downloaded that and it uh, reduced the time uh, by a factor of five the first pass uh, we used the highest quality uh, output it was about 470 megabyte i thought that was a little bit heavy duty to go up uh, did it again on the slightly lower uh, quality setting which really i couldn't perceive see any difference whatsoever and it was 171 meg so there's the 171 meg mpeg4 file sitting on the radio hotlap server for people to download i squint from i don't know where but uh, if you go to versiontracker.com and uh, type in i squint you'll find the little useful free download compression tool to allow you to transfer your video to an ipod 
and there are also a lot of other very handy um, bits of software up there. I think I sent you a copy of Handbrake, which is another uh, free download from Version Tracker, and that's good for uh, ripping DVDs and actually compressing them so that you can get them onto your uh, video iPod and plug the thing into the TV set and sit and watch um, a movie off of your uh, off of your iPod. <laughs> I thought it was a piece of software for sending your girlfriend on a holiday by herself. <laughs> How you wish. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the, the hand breaks when she comes with you. Oh. oh. Now, you said that, not us. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah, and the lady won't be hearing that bit. Mm. <laughs> fun sheriff, that's what I call them. I call them fun sheriffs. All right, knackers. Uh, thanks right. for making the uh, the time for the chat, the Savo. Sorry we're not down there having a beer with you, and you actually have to go home after work today. Yeah, <laughs> it's not quite the I same, know. is it? It's going to be a bit strange going home and uh, having a beer and uh, not looking forward to a barbie. I had a barbie at home last night, so I don't think I'll be having another one tonight. So there you go. Oh, you anyway, miss- listen, guys, it's been wonderful to talk to you all, and I know I won't see you again before uh, Christmas, Johnny, or I might talk to you, but certainly Linda and Rick, have a fantastic Christmas, and uh, we'll thanks, talk to you Jackie. soon. Thanks, mate. Same to you. Thanks, JP. No worries. Thanks, Thanks, John. See ya. Bye. There goes JP very quickly. Yeah, is it? He's a bit stressed there. I can tell that. It sounds like it's. Well, I I mean, Apple Centers are mad. You go in, like, they've they've got just iPods. People just want to buy. But there's walls, like the Sydney one at Chatswood. It's just two it, it really walls is, of accessories for iPods yeah. and a very small space for the Well, I was um, planning iMacs. to buy one to, to keep myself occupied on the, on the long haul. You don't have an iPod? No, I don't. <gasps> and, and I'm Suckers. going to Nürburgring this, in 2006 again. You'll need it's it. 20 hours of flying. Yeah, trust me. So I need an iPod on the plane. So I'll show I, you mine later. I have the latest video latest. one. Yes, we have and the, You'll show me yours and then I have to show you mine. You don't have one, so you can't show it to me. Um, <laughs> I'll get one. Trust me, listeners, I'll get one. Oh, this is going downhill. What happens? See, I'm left alone here with two minutes. Unfair. I need other female backup. I need other women in motorsports. Somebody, other women in motorsport. We would love to hear from you. Well, I, Jump I was... on the website at uh, what is it? Radiohotlap.com, and you'll find the links to sending feedback and suggestions and. Any women in motorsport, even if you're not in motorsport but you're a woman and you're interested in motorsport and you follow it, send us, just drop us anything. Drop us a line. Like it, hate it, whatever. And we'll see what happens. And then we might get some backup for me. That'd be nice. There you go, Rick. Oh, his is just a boring white one. Mine's the ultra swish black. What do you think of the quality of the video on the new video iPod? I was going to say, now this is an iPod in my hand with, with... vivid video yes okay and uh, it's hard to say well all the iPods now play video you don't ask for a video that's just that's an iPod they just now do video well you know that's sort of us us racing car drivers get stuck behind uh, under the bonnet and in the workshops and we sometimes lose touch with reality as to the technological advancements that are are going on in the iPod world and uh, and this has got uh, obviously racing car orientated video footage uh, on a on an iPod thingy that fits in the palm of your hand. So I guess whilst you're, you're listening to music, you can be watching your favourite race car go round and round in circles. And, uh, well, that's pretty good value. It is good value. But the other thing I reckon that's going to be brilliant, and I'm sure this is going to happen, and probably John will develop it, is that you... I mean, in America on the iTunes site, you can actually download now video uh, TV shows. So your latest TV show, if it's broadcast, say, Sunday night... Monday morning, you can go to the iTunes site and download that show and watch it on your iPod. Now, my theory of thinking is 
Well, how long do you think it's going to be before V8 site, V8 Brutes, Clipsal, have little videos that you can download and put onto your iPod and watch the race? Watch the highlights of your race. So if you've missed them, you can go and watch them over and over. There's favourite bits or your crashes, as everybody loves. Well, this is one of the um, one of our modus operandi with the V8 Utes next year, having specified the uh, on the in-car camera system for the the cars. Hopefully that'll be ratified and will be made part of the rules. Therefore, we'll be able to get hard disk-based recording material um, out and processed and, and get it out to new media adventure, media machines like this. Which will be just wonderful. I mean, you know, where is it going to end? Well, look who's arrived. It's who's your arrived? Son, My Jimmy. gorgeous son, Jimmy. James, come here, sweetheart. Hello. Come say hello to your mum. He's just, his last day of school today. He's finished school. Say hello. <laughs> oh, that was a really high. Give me, give me your mum a bit. Love you. Okay. Oh, you've got. Now, what, what have you oh. made? You've got a PSP there. How good is that? Have you seen one of the PSPs? No, he's, he's getting. He's just. He's giving him an iPod five minutes ago. And Sweetie. You've got a PSP. You won't know what to. What do you want? What to do with myself? You know. Honey, where's your PSP? In your bag. Can we have a look at it? Or we're not allowed. I think we're not allowed. I don't know. He's a bit protective. We had our family Christmas last weekend for those. Um, who don't know, that's me personally, and because of everyone going away, as I said, and leaving me in Australia while they all bug out. Anyway, we had our family Christmas, and actually all the presents were exchanged, and James scored a PSP for Christmas. Well, how good is that? How good is that? And he can actually download videos and stuff, so pretty cool. There it is. Now, we're just about going to have to wrap this up. We've, we've definitely gone over, over, over time tonight. That's because uh, you've got a woman uh, on the show. As, as we go out, we just, we'll just give Rick all the gadgets. Yep, he can and, and, and that'll confuse him more or more. He's go going, well, that's it. a bigger screen, isn't it, mate? Mate, it is. And I'm, maybe that's why I don't have a, a female navigator in the car with me, because then I can get a word in edgeways. But you're not meant to. You're meant to be listening, looking straight out the front and listening to every word that person is saying. Well, on that note, I'd like to thank both of you for uh, joining us on the show today. It's been wonderful, uh, Rick Shaw, to have you along and give us an insight. Oops, that Ta was the dog taxi, knocking over the beer bottle. Taxi. Sorry. Yes, Rusty Sausage is not here this no. weekend, but we have the lovely Bella Dogs. See, Bella Nera, Bella Nera. Black who Beauty. was eating some tissues all night. Who I speak to an Italian there. to confuse her totally and all the visitors that come as well, and she's just knocked over the beer bottles. Thank you, Rick, for making the time coming up, and uh, please stay around and enjoy some teppanyaki with us, and, uh, and definitely another Corona before you decide which is going to be the PlayStation or the uh, or the iPod video. And what room he's sleeping in because he can't drive home. <laughs> and Linda, thank you very much for providing the venue today, and uh, and, and being it's the first first girl on the show. Hopefully, thank you. hopefully you'll been, come back. I will. I'm very very honoured. It was just wonderful. And maybe if I'm lucky, maybe when I'm down in Mount Buller, we might have a chat. Yes, I think we definitely will. We'll be doing the radio show down in Mount Buller and hopefully we might get you down to Mount Buller one day, Rick. I maybe definitely maybe need to go, actually. Year. I maybe did ask the question earlier to Linda. I said, why aren't I going to Mount Buller? Well, well, because the, the entries are closed and we don't love you. Well, there you go. And because I'm not wanted. but. No. Uh, it's yeah, never wanted. But, you might uh, be wanted because there is actually four entries in here for this. And if anybody weekend, needs a really good navigator for, for Targa, Linda is available, okay? And uh, she can just be contacted through through the show. And um, the, the great thing about Linda is she's, she's not a weight penalty because how heavy are you, Linda? Oh, do we have to go into this? Uh, so embarrassing. Well, a little bit of this. Okay, I need well, to get a navigator. She's going to do Linda. F1 because she'd fail the way in. Yeah, because at the moment light. I'm only 41 kilos. 41 kilos, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 41 kilos. 
Are there any bits higher than 41? 41. Get from that microphone. You're I am not. My navigator, James Parrish, who, who did uh, the first Targa with us earlier this year. It's the first Targa I've done. It's the first Targa he's done. And he, has never, he has never, ever navigated before in his life. And he's only just got off his provisional racing licence. So he's very new to motorsport. And he weighed in for Targa. At 105 kilos. That's more than... No, hang on, let me... 105 kilos. Now, he lied to me because he told me he was 95. Now, when he stood on the scales, he was 105. And I told him that overnight he had to lose 10 kilos or he wasn't going to be allowed in the car. But the, the Mazda struggled, to say the least, to carry... 105 kilos all over the countryside for 2,000 kilometres over the next five days. I mean, you know, imagine how good we would have gone if we didn't have had... Well, that uh, was the weight you know. of our car combined. Well, there you go. I mean, we, we, <laughs> Sorry, we finished eight with, 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 as, as we did with 105 kilos in the passenger side. And, uh, I mean, imagine what it did to the corner weights. Uh, oh, that's another well, story. But uh, 40 watt kilos? Look, this could go on forever and ever, and we'll obviously have to get you guys back again, but uh, it's so. enough for the listeners. They've had their gym session. They've They're had an hour, 20th. It's definitely enough then. So once again, thanks very much, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to Radio Hotlap. Please go to the website, radiohotlap.com, and send some feedback to us. Love to hear from you. Tell us what we do right. Tell us what we do wrong. Just tell us something. Yeah, and have and a wonderful Christmas to everybody and your family. Stay safe. Don't be silly. Don't drive ballistically on the roads while you've been drinking. Just wait until you get to the racetrack and do it. That's right. And uh, there will be a show next week. Uh, Can't tell you exactly who it's going to be. have a couple of people in mind, one photographer and one Web 2.0 specialist who has a little bit of a a background in in motorsport. Uh, Very, very interesting fellow. Are you still going to be in Sydney? I'm going to be in Sydney. Looks like I'm staying around to do another show next week. I may scam a few seconds. And there you go. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. And remember, we don't edit. Good night. Night. Cheers, Australia.